Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, good morning, good morning, everybody. Uh, I was saying earlier at the first service, isn't it amazing? We are bursting at the seams at 50 people. We have reached our capacity. We cannot take any more people. Can you imagine that a year ago or two, 18 months ago, this would have been like, we are all the people, but we are bursting at the seams and we are amazed that the auditorium is full and we cannot take any more people on. Uh, online people, I uh, hope you're having a great time wherever you are. I know Pastor Sai is sitting on the beach, drinking some Kool-Aid, watching from the beach. So Sai and Lerofolo family, we greet you from Johannesburg. I hope you're having a great holiday where you are. Now, people online, I have you on my phone. I'm watching you. So you are not a spectator sport. You are needing to be engaging. I'm going to be asking questions of you. So I want to watch those things. And for the people in the auditorium, it's also not a spectator sport today. I'm expecting hallelujahs. I'm expecting flick flacks. And I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. And I'm, ref- I'm going to offer some feedback today. So we are not attending church. We have in church today. Is that all right? Um, so as we all get ready. So if you were sleeping, half asleep in bed, please get ready because there are things coming your way this morning. Now, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little uncomfortable with the style of preaching I'm taking on today because I'm going back to my roots, my charismatic roots. Like, uh, you know, those uh, swing from the chandelier kind of messages. That's what I want to achieve today, right? I want to I speak life into death today. I want to build people's faith today. I want to I say that I want to speak to things that aren't real to become real. I want to build our faith up. I've been recently watching the Olympics. I don't know if you, anybody was watching the Olympics, the swimming pool where they swim in like this, and every now and then the athletes need to just take a breath and continue. So that is what I think about today. The, the vision I had of today, you're in the race of life, swimming, and when you come to church today, all I want you to do is... Take a bit of a breath in, and then when you're out of here, you're jumping back in the pool, and you're continuing on that journey, right? So we're taking that little bit of a breath today as we engage with the sermon. I've thoroughly enjoyed this Isaiah uncapped, or un- uncapped, yes, uncapped, right? Great. So this is where the question comes. So if you're online, get those fingers ready in the auditorium. I'm going to ask you to shout across us an aisle, shout across a seat. But this word, when you see this word, no cap. What comes to mind? Tell the person next to you online, share what's happening. When you see the word no cap, what comes to mind? That's your opportunity. Okay. Yeah, but not to me, to the people next to you, Mzamo. Come on. Share with the people next to you. When you hear uncap, what comes to mind? Let's see. Uh, Let's see if I've got anything happening online. I'm going to give them 30 seconds uh, to go uh, this morning before I get going while I'm waiting for the online people. So, Mzamo, you said no lies. Anybody else? Sorry? Anybody, shout out loud. Unlimited, okay, yes. Anybody else? In the last service, we had somebody say no caps, like we're not allowed to have caps at church. Anybody else? I want to check online. Okay, they say no lie, unlimited, overflowing, unlimited. Okay, I can see it's timers that are on the call. Boomers are on there. Now, if you are a Z generation, no cap means this. It's an expression, a slang of no lie, for real. It's something you use when some, somebody's not exaggerating, and you have to believe this. You would say, 
no cap. And Mark Titley helped me unpack this a little bit more. So uh, now that we're all wearing masks, we don't realize what kind of teeth we had. And so earlier this week, I was doing a session for a group of people, and somebody was speaking, and I couldn't hear them, so I asked them to pull down their mask, and they pulled down their mask, and they had gold teeth all over them. I was like, yeah, this is what we're talking about. This is real stuff, right? And, um, and so when we talk about no cap, you have two kinds of gold teeth. You have perms, those are ones that you can't get rid of, and then you have caps, ones that you put in. And so the idea of no cap means that when you go to court, when you go for a job interview, wherever you are going, you can't pull those things out. No lie, it's real, versus the perms where you can pull it out. Now, sometimes I think we as Christians are those temporary Christians. Depending where we are, we put our Christian teeth in and we put our other teeth in. And I want us to become no cap Christians, where we are the real thing when we're engaging with people. Now, I've spoken to the Z generation. I need to talk to the boomers for a moment. So boomers, if you are uncomfortable with this no cap language, we can go back to Isaiah uncapped, unlimited, right? And so hopefully we are speaking to everybody today. Whether you're online, in person, you're young, you're short, you're old, whatever shape, age you are, God is going to speak to you today. And God has been speaking to us over the last couple of weeks about Isaiah. No lie, real, unlimited. And we're going to unpack a little bit more today around this. So up until this point, Isaiah 40, Isaiah has been a tough book. I don't know if you've been doing the weekly readings. Yo, God is a hard taskmaster. Like things have been tough up until uh, verse chapter 40. But chapter 40, we see a shift in God's attitude. We see a shift in God's posture towards the people of Israel. So look at this, for example. If we go to Isaiah 1-4, in the beginning, I'm taking us right back to the first sermon that we had. Oh, sinful nation, people um, weighted down with iniquity, brood of evildoers, deprived children, you have abandoned the Lord. They have despised despised the Holy One of Israel. They have turned their backs on Him. And for the last 40 chapters, this is what we've been hearing. There's a, there's a whole bunch of injustice happening. It is a tough read. It is really difficult. But verse chapter 40, there's a shift. It's almost like a shift in the gear lever. And we read in Isaiah 41 and 2, Comfort, comfort my people, God says. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. Announce to her her time of hard service is over. Her iniquities have been pardoned. She has received from the Lord double for her sins. And so we're starting to see this gentle God, this God that has grace, this God that has mercy for his people. And so I hope that this morning, this word is going to be one of of, of comfort, one of encouragement, one of redemption. Even if we go to Isaiah 40, 29, 31, he says he gives strength to the faint. Uh, gives, he gives strength to the faint and strength to the powerless. Youths become faint and weary. Young men stumble and, and fall. But those who trust in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar like wings of eagles and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. And so get ready over the next couple of weeks to engage in God's Word that one is going to encourage you, that one is going to inspire you, is going to pull out things out of you that is going to say, you can do this. And so look forward to the next two weeks of as we bring Isaiah down, how God is so faithful. 
for the longest time. I've been looking for the opportunity to share the story today. And so it's from Max Lucado's book, In the Grip of Grace. One of my favorite stories. And I've been looking and looking for opportunities to share the story. And that moment has come today that I can share the story. So once upon a time, there was a father and five siblings. And this father was a loving father. This family was an incredible family. They lived up in the mountains in a big castle with waterfalls and cliffs and green grass. And it was just a beautiful uh, place to live. And the five kids, four of them were naughty. One of them was like a faithful child. You know those uh, siblings that you have, right? And the father said to his kids, I don't want you to play by the raging river. Because if you play by the raging river, it'll take you. And it'll be difficult to get back. So don't play at that river. Now, do you know these four siblings? They said, yeah, we won't play. But you know how it happens, eh? We won't play. We won't play. We won't play. And then they get closer and closer to the river. Before they knew it, they were playing in the river. And that river takes all four of those children downstream. And for half an hour, these kids are trying to get out of the river, trying to make their way. And they're going through uh, the rapids. You know those rapids, those four, five-star rapids? I don't know what you call them. I want to do that one day. But up and down, in and out. Half an hour later, they are spat out of the river, far from home, in a strange, a hostile land, a place that they are not used to. So what do they do immediately? They try and swim upstream back home, and they can't make it. And so they decide maybe if we go along the banks of the river, we climb up, we'll get there. But those cliffs are too steep. And they find that it's almost impossible to get over those cliffs. And so then they say, maybe if we went into the forest and made our, like a double up through the forest, we'll make it. And as they do that, they realize the forest is so full and so thick, they weren't going to make it. So they resigned to the fact that they were stuck in this foreign land with foreign people in this hostile place that is nothing like their home. And so they start making home. They start setting up. But what they do every night at the end of a hard day's work all four siblings sit around the fire, and they share stories about what it was like with their father. They sing, say, sing, sing songs that they used to sing at the dinner table. They remind each other of the goodness of their father and how wonderful it was to be in their father's kingdom. And this became very similar to what we're doing right now, sitting in a building or online, and we're reminding ourselves how good our Father is. We're reminding ourselves how important it is to be part of a family. And they gathered and they did that, very much what we're doing right now. And then one night, instead of four siblings, there were three. They were wondering, where did our oldest sibling go? And so they went and they looked around and they noticed that their oldest sibling had made his way to the village. And when they went into the village, they noticed that this oldest sibling now was participating in the village cultural rituals and, and talking the language um, of that village. And that village had given him a hut. And so he'd now completely thrown himself into this village. And so they come to him and say to him, um, what are you doing here? He said, I'm tired of all our talks. And they said, but what about our father? He said, what about our father? He's forgotten about us. He's never coming to save us. And so I'm going to start a new life in this village. I'm just going to give up on that. And if our father comes, he comes, but I'm not going to hold my breath to see whether my father is coming back. And so the three siblings then began to meet around the fire and remembering their father's voice. Two days later, it wasn't four, three siblings, 
but two siblings now. And so the, the, the two siblings go and find this other third sibling, like, why aren't you meeting with us? And this sibling says, have you seen our oldest sibling, what they're doing in that village? What a disgrace they are to our family. They are, they are disobeying our father. They're doing all, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to write down everything they do wrong. So when the father does come, when our dad does come and fetch us, I can keep a record of everything they've done wrong. I'm going to make sure that they don't get away with disrespecting our family name. And so the two siblings started meeting with the other two doing their thing. And then one day, the two became one. And when this one sibling went to look for their third sibling, they noticed their sibling was in the river, packing these rocks, packing these rocks, and said, what are you doing? And he says, it's no use meeting anymore. I need to make my own way back to our father. He's not coming back to us. Plus, I've sinned. I've, I've fallen short of what our father had for us. And so I need to make my way back. And when I work really hard, my father will accept me back because of all the hard work I've been doing. And so I'm no longer going to meet with you. And so the youngest sibling sits by themselves by the fire and continues to encourage themselves, continues to remember what the father's love was like. And one day while they're sitting around the fire, they hear a familiar voice. It was the older sibling had come and said, I'm here. Father has sent me. I've been on a long journey to get you, but I'm here. I'm ready to take you home. Are you ready to come with me? Where are your other brothers and sisters? And he said, oh, they're all over. And so they he takes him, or they take them to their older sibling, and the older sibling is in the village, and, and, the, and the oldest brother says, I'm ready to take you home. Are you ready to come home? And he says, I don't know who you are. I don't know what your voice sounds like. Your father wants you, our dad wants you home. I don't have a father. He gave up on me so many years ago. Plus, I've given up my life. I'm living a lovely life here. I have a wonderful straw house. I'm living in this wonderful place, and I've, I've taken this, and maybe you want to take this from me. That's why you're young. He says, no. I'm here to take you home. Come home. He wants nothing to do with his older sibling. So the, the oldest brother, the older sibling comes to the one that's looking. He says, I'm so glad you're here. Here are a list of the things that that sibling has been doing over the last couple of years. You better take this to father. And he says, aren't you coming home? No, I can't. I have to, if I go home, who's going to keep an eye and keep a record? And so only when the father, when that, when that sibling goes home, will I go home so I can give a report on all the things and things they have done to break our father's principles and rules. And then they go to the rock stacking sibling. And the rock stacking sibling is there packing those rocks, packing those rocks. And the older sibling says, I'm come to take you home. He says, I can't go home. I have to work for my salvation. I have to work for the forgiveness of my father. He won't forgive me just because I'm coming home. And so the oldest sibling says to the younger sibling, let's go home. And let's go. And so the younger sibling says, will father forgive me? He says, absolutely. Not only will he forgive you, he's longing to see you. We have a massive celebration back home waiting for your return. And so the story reminds me of the people of Israel as we find them in Isaiah 40. They are in a foreign land. They have disobeyed God, and they've landed up in a foreign, hostile land, just like these siblings. They disobeyed their father. They're in this foreign, hostile land. The father in our story sends the son to bring their children home. God sends Isaiah and this word in Isaiah to say to the people of Israel, I'm going to bring you home. And so we pick up our reading this morning around that. So in Isaiah 43, 15, I am the Lord 
the Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. This is what the Lord says. Who makes a way in the sea and paths through rough, raging water? Who brings out the chariots and the horses, the army and the mighty ones together? They will lay down and they will not rise again. They will be extinguished, put out like a wick. Do not remember the past events. Pay attention to the things of old. Uh, do not pay attention to the things of old. Look, I'm about to do a new thing. Even now, it's coming. Don't you see? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And so God is speaking to the people of Israel while they're in Babylon. And so the first, no cap, I am the Lord, the Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King. In other words, what he's saying to the people of Israel, I've got your back. You are mine. You are my people, and I've got this. I have got you in the circumstances. And so he is reminding them, because when they were in Babylon, some of the people of Israel started taking on the culture of the Babylons. They changed their names. They started participating in those things. And God was reminding them of who he was in their lives. Just like in the story, right? The oldest sibling that made the hut-building sibling forgot who their father was. I wonder how many of us are beginning to forget who our God is. And God needs to remind us today that He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, Jehovah Jireh. I want to encourage you to go back to the beginning of the year when we, we, when we spoke about the names of God. And isn't it amazing? Throughout Scripture, when God appears to people, He declares who He is. I am who I am. Uh, the Lord of hosts. Just before Jesus comes, the angels declare that He's Emmanuel. He's coming to save. And so I want to remind you this morning that God has got you. He is your God. And isn't it interesting that in, in the New Testament, Jesus is sitting with His disciples, and then he, he doesn't make a declaration of who He is. He says to His disciples, Who do you say I am? And I believe God is asking each and every one of us to think about this right now. Who do you say I am? In the circumstance where you find yourself, who do you say I am? People online, where are you sitting right now? What is God saying to you? Is he say, when he says to you, who do you say I am? Put it in the chat. Think about this. Who is God to you right now in the midst of where you find yourself? Can you call on those names of God and stand in faith and understand that God has got you? No cap. Um, and, and I love the scripture. I found it so encouraging. Isaiah 41, 13. For I, know, I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and tells you do not fear. I will help you. Because if you're feeling in a helpless place, hold on to the scripture because God will take you by the hand and he will help you. I know that for sure. So no cap two, who makes a way in the sea, a path through rough water. He has done it before. He's reminding the people of Israel that when they were leaving Egypt, when their back was against the wall. Now at the moment, we are being bombarded with media coverage of what's happening in Afghanistan. And at the moment, I think there's 14,000 people outside that Kandahar airport that they're trying to get out. 14,000, sounds like a lot. Now imagine for a moment, the people of Israel, it's five million people that have left Egypt. They have made their way to the Red Sea. As they get to the Red Sea, there's a raging army that is coming their way. There's the Red Sea here. There is no escape. It's not 14,000, it's five million. 
And God opens the Red Sea so that the people of God can cross through the Red Sea. But he doesn't only redeem his people. He destroys the Egyptian army at the same time. And so he's reminding the people of Israel that while they're in Babylon, he's saying to them, I will did it before. I will do it again. And God is saying to each and every one of us now, he's done it before. He will do it again. He's done it before. He will do it again. And so that's why it's so important for us that we make sure that we have in our quiet times, we need to make sure that we go back into our, our prayer journals and look and say, God, you've done it before. I believe you can do it again. No cap. He has done it before. He will do it again. And so cap, no cap three. Look, I'm about to do a new thing. Even now, it is coming. He is doing a new thing. Now, if you're old school and you read the old school Bible, you know, some people say you can't get away from the old King James, new King James. You have to read the word that way, right? I'm not quite that hardcore. But in the old, in the old, in the King James, this look is saying, behold, be amazed, right? So that's what the old King James or the King James, new King James says, behold, look, be amazed. To put it into context, God would be saying, behold, be amazed wowed. Or if you're Afrikaans, you would go, shoo. And if you come from the township, you go, jo, 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 right? Be amazed. God is doing a new thing. He's not doing an old thing. So he's not saying, look, I'm taking you back to 2019. Now, I must be honest. I sometimes long for 2019, and I laminate with God and say, Lord, can we please just go back to March 19 and 2019, where I didn't have to wear this mask, where I could engage with people, but there is a, there's a no ways we're going back, right? So God is doing a new thing. He's not doing the old thing. He's not doing what is familiar. He's not doing what we are comfortable with. He is doing a new thing. And when he begins to do a new thing, things begin to shift for us. Have you heard that statement, the best is yet to come? I believe God is saying to each and every one of us, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come in your marriages. The best is yet to come in your work. The best is yet to come in your finances. The best is yet to come in your health. The best is yet to come in this country. God is doing a new thing in this country, in, a, in, his, in his church. And are you ready? Right? And I love this quote that says, um, when when preparation meets opportunity, success is inevitable, right? And so are you ready for this new thing that God is doing? Or are you going to be like that other sibling that is taking notes of all the wrong things? Yeah, the church wasn't full. Let me take notes. Oh, they made a mistake there. Let me make, take notes. We need to go back to where we were in 29. That is not going to happen. Are you ready for the new thing that God is doing? Are you preparing yourself? Because that is so important. And so God is doing a new thing, and he's going to do it in incredible ways, and the best is yet to come. I promise you. No cap. Four, verse 19. I will make a way in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. I serve a God that is going to do the impossible. I know this for a fact, that the God that I serve does the impossible. A year ago, the very seat you're sitting on was allocated to a family we were feeding every single week. If you walked into this auditorium last year this time, there was food on the stage, there was food down the aisles, there was packing happening out there. 
If you'd said to us in 2018, 2019, that as a church we would be feeding 400 families a week, we would have said that's impossible. Right? If you said to us as a church we would be leading people to Christ in our parking lot, we would have said, hi, hang us. Not, not a, that's not going to happen. If you said that we would be baptizing people in blow-up pools outside in the middle of winter, that is a God of impossibilities. We are serving a God of impossibilities, right? And so this auditorium, it's packed at 50 people right now, but this auditorium is not going to be big enough for what God is going to do. Our online audience is not going to have the kind of capacity to take in what's coming their way online. It's going to be dynamic. God is going to touch people online. He's going to touch people, yeah? And so we need to be ready. God is going to do the impossible. Are you ready for that? That God is going to do the impossible. He's going to create ways in the wilderness, rivers in the desert. And when we look back at 2020, 2021, people are going to be amazed at what God has done in your life. He's going to say, how did you get through this? What did you do? And it's not going to be like us, those rock stacking brothers that were rock stacking. We were going to say we relied on the Lord. He was our foundation. He took us to where we're going. So on Monday... I got a phone call from somebody that I haven't spoken to, and I don't know how many years. I'm, I'm giving away my age. I don't even know how many years I'm out of school. Probably 30 years or something ridiculous like that, right? I know I don't look it, but anyway. So it was mine and Tamsin's anniversary uh, on, on Thursday, 15 years. And so I, I didn't want to wish her, because you know people wish each other. I don't know why we do this, right? We wish each other happy anniversary online. And me and my wife always have this conversation. But I wasn't that person next to you to wish them. So, or you, you wish your baby happy birthday, but you wish them online. So I wasn't sure. Like, so I wanted to be strategic about the post I put there. So I just said thank you to everybody for contributing to the last 15 years. And then I put a photo of our wedding day online. And um, I've aged, Tamsin looks as happy and as beautiful as she was those 15 years ago. Um, and so on Monday, I get a call from somebody from high school. And I'm going to sanitize this conversation because what we said on the phone call was not due, uh, it's not good for online or in-church person uh, consumption. And I will, I will give you the church version of the conversation. So the person says to me, um, we didn't speak a word at high school. I don't even think he realized I existed at high school. And he said to me, how does a guy like you, when I saw the pit, your wedding photo, I said, how does a guy like you and nobody get such a beautiful wife like this? What is it? And then he said, then, then that made me look at your, your profile. And I see you hanging out with black people, Indian people, colored people. Like, who are you? What are you? I see you talking in the church and you do this. Like, what is it? Like, what has happened to you, I can only say that it's the impossible that happened to me, that God intervened in my life, and I am where I am because of that. And then he says this. He says, I was wondering if you'd be willing to speak. Do I have to pay you to speak to me? So I said, no, we don't need to do that, and we're going to have a conversation. I don't know where this conversation is going to go, but God does the impossible. And so I want to remind each and every one of you that in a couple of years, people are going to say to you, how did you get through 2020? And they're going to phone you. They're going to say, what happened? And you're going to be able to say, it was my God that came through for me. He is a God of impossibilities. Right? And so let us remind ourselves that it is God is, and you need to answer that for yourself. Right? So online, you need to answer this question. God is what? 
in this auditorium. God is what to you at this time? How are you going to call on those names of God to get you through the season? God has done it before. He will do it again. God is doing a new thing, and we're serving a God of impossibilities. No cap. I promise you this is all true. He will do it again. And so as we bring our time together close today, I want to go back to that starting point around that no cap and those false teeth, those golden caps or perms or, 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 or legits. And I want to encourage people this morning that if you are one of those people that don't have your Christian caps, you know, perms, you've got those, those, those false ones, right? And it depends where you are as to which caps you put in. I want to encourage you today that you become a permanent cap, that you put a permanent cap in, that you say, I'm going to live for Christ. I'm going to do everything that Christ wants me to do. And so I'm going to do this for Christ. I'm not going to have this temporary arrangement that depends where I am, whether I put my Christian hat on or, or not. And so that when people look at your life, you're living a life of no cap rather than a life of these caps that are false and temporary. Shall we pray as we bring our time together uh, to an end today? Father, we want to thank you that you are a mighty God, that you are our King of Kings, you are Jehovah Jireh, you are Jehovah Nisi, you are the one that saves us. Father, I pray this morning, no matter whether it's people in this room or people online, Lord Father God, that you will touch people, that you, one, will remind people of who you are in their lives, that you got their back, that you have got this. Father, I want you to remind people this morning, Father, that you have done it before, you will do it again. You will get them out of this difficult space that they're in. Father, we are so expectant of this new thing you're going to do in our midst. Help us to become more prepared around this. And Father, let us all be ready with the impossibilities that are coming our way. Let us remind ourselves that we serve a God of the impossible. And so if you're in this auditorium, if you're online, and you've never really made a hardcore commitment to Jesus, this is your opportunity to say, I'm trading in those caps for perms. I want to go full out for Jesus. And so if you're in this auditorium, you've never done that, can I ask you to raise your hand and say, I'm all in, no caps, I'm coming, as I am. And if you're online and you haven't done this yet, and you want to go all in, there's a link at the bottom. There are people online that want to engage with you and want to say yes, and they will walk this journey with you. Father, it's been such a privilege to be in your presence this morning, to sing praises, to be with other brothers and sisters in Christ. And Father, we thank you that you sent your Son for us. We thank you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.